Last week we talked about um, Abraham. Isn't that right? <clears throat> and God, God's calling of Abraham, his name was originally Abram. But his name was later changed. God changed his name to Abraham. And he was called to come out from among his kindred because God had something special for him to do. And how many know that when God has something for you to do, that he doesn't need for you to have a lot of extra baggage? Isn't that right? I hear too many amen, but uh, you know, sometimes when you're when you're traveling for God, you have to do so light. You have to be able to be uh, mobile, because the Bible said that we are pilgrims and aliens. The Bible said that we are strangers. Did you hear what I said? So what does that mean? That we don't have or should not have any attachments to this world. Even though we have relational attachments as far as blood, our family, our mama, our daddy, our sister, our brother, and all that kind of thing. But the, but the attachments that we share with anybody should not be so great to where it deters us from doing what God has called for us to do or for us to go where God called for us to go. You see what I'm saying? Oh, y'all don't see what I'm talking okay. Job. So, God called Abram. The Bible said he called him. How do you think that God called Abram? How do you think that he called him? You think that he heard a voice? I know you don't really know, but I'm just giving you something to think about. God calls people in many different ways. He calls them even through dreams sometimes. Uh, God can speak audibly. God can speak through the preacher. God can speak through someone whose life is totally given to him to speak to you about a, a specific thing that's going on in your life. You may have a specific question and you don't have an answer to it and you sit down talking to somebody and God gives them just what you need. You never had that happen? Where they shared with you the very thing that you were thinking about is almost like how you know how you know I was thinking about that, how you know I was going through that, but yet that person shared with you in that particular meeting or setting the very thing that you needed because God is just that way and God does not speak to us in just one way. Are oh, you don't hear me? God does not just speak to us in in one way. God is multi-faceted in the ways that he talks to us. Matter of fact, the Bible says a little child shall lead them. Some people discount, Lord, it's just a little child. A little child might, God can speak to a little child to you. Isn't that right? Job, chapter 33. I don't know where I put my Bible, so I have to try to use this other Bible. I mean, you know when you don't have your Bible, your Bible you feel kind of lost, but... All right, Job 33, verse 14. It says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. 
God speaks what? Huh? And what? He's speaking once, yea, twice, yet man does not perceive it. So when someone says, well, I never heard God talk to me. I ain't never heard him say nothing to me. Does that mean that God did not ever speak to them? No, it does not. It just means that they weren't hearing him. Huh? That they weren't able to hear the voice of God talking to them. And when God talks to us, we will know that it's him. And one way that we say that we'll know that it's God talking to us last week. And how is that? When we become familiar with his voice, we have to spend time with him. Seems like sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, but yet it should be the easiest thing to do to get down there and pray. But when we get down there and pray, it's like, okay, well, five minutes pass by, oh, 10 minutes pass by, oh, 15 minutes, and keep looking at the watch, I'm ready to get up now. Huh? But yet, but yet we'll talk all day to somebody else, but yet the person that has all the answers that we need, how much time do we spend in his presence? The one that can tell us everything that we need to know, the one that can fix everything in our lives. How much time do we spend in his presence talking to him? Because whether you do or not, I know that I need to hear from God in my life every day. Oh, y'all should have said amen. Y'all quiet. All right. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Somebody read that for me. Amos 3, verse 7. I mean, y'all turn them pages. We started class a little late, so I'm try to get, get as much as we can in. Amos which is a minor prophet. Amos 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he will give it to the people and to his servant, the prophet. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealed his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So is a, is a prophet for our day? Is there still prophets in our day? Real prophets? Not just somebody's going to prophesy to you about a Mercedes Benz or somebody's going to prophesy to you about you're going to get a new house? Huh? Okay, anybody talking to me? Yes, there are still real prophets today. There are still people there. God still has called prophets for our time. But God said that he won't do anything except he first reveal it to his servants, the prophets, and why does he reveal it to his servants, the prophets? Why? Be so they can tell us. So they can tell us. Because prophets are needed in the church. And there has been a, a, a misunderstanding of what a prophet really is. You know, a, a, a prophet or a prophetess a lot of times is looked at as a good time person. And supposed to just prophesy good things. And how you're going to get blessed. And how God's going to... Fix this for you and fix that for you. Huh? But yet a prophet, a true prophet of God will tell you that, that fire is about to fall on your head. Huh? That's right. It's give, give you a stern warning from God. Why? Because they know that, their, that your blood will be required on their, at their hand. 
If God tells them to tell you something, you better tell you. Or God's going to hold them uh, accountable and they're going to have to pay for that. Isn't that right? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise you to just go run after no any prophet, but try the spirit by the spirit. You got to try everything by the word. There are people right now sending their money all overseas and everywhere, all to New York and Chicago and all that. Because somebody said, oh, well, if you just send me $1,500, then God's going to bless. God told me your name is Nancy. And God said that he's going to do that for you. And all this kind of thing. Huh? But at the same time, while God is speaking, we have to be aware that the devil a lot of times is speaking also. And what we say that the devil will disguise himself as an angel of light. Numbers 22, 28. Numbers 22, verse 28. God is not, not one-sided. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Hebrews 1 verse 2. So in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. Isn't that right? Who is Jesus? The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So his son is what? The word, and the word is his son. Isn't that right? So God is speaking to us through his word. You ever read where the Bible says that the word of God came unto Amos? Or the word of God came unto Isaiah. Or the word of God came unto Jeremiah. You ever read that? Who, well, who is that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. Isn't that right? Jesus came to them and conveyed to them the message that God wanted them to have. Because he's, he is the standard. He is the standard that we have to live by. He is the voice that we have to hear. From God. He is, the, he is the intercessor. He's the one that goes between us and God. He's the one that conveys the message from God to us. Oh, y'all ain't saying amen. All right. Luke 9.35. Luke 9.35. 
there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. This is my son. God says, you listen to him. There, there were, uh, Jesus said in, in the last days, many Christ will come saying, I am the Christ. Come follow me. Then another one going to come and say, I'm the Christ. No, come follow me. And he said there will be given a strong delusion unto the very elect that, that, that even the very elect could be deceived if they don't watch themselves. We have to watch what voice we're hearing and what we let come into our ears and call it God. There are a lot of things that are called God that is not God. There are a lot of times people say, God told me this, and God told me that, and God said this, and God said that. Huh? He told Jeremiah, he said, look, they're prophets, they're prophesying, and they said that thus saith the Lord when I have not said anything. Amen, Reverend Lewis. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Somebody read that for me. I'll tell you when to stop. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutations this should be. All right. So, so who did Mary get her message from? The angel. The angel. The angel spoke to Mary. And God, who sent the angel? God sent the angel. Ain't that right? All right. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Acts 9, 15. All right. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So it's another way that God speaks to the people. That God speaks to you. All right. Turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 14. Verse 15. Some of these we might skip over because it's taking a little while. So Luke uh, 14. Verse 15. Read on. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a greater supper and bad many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them, They were bitten. 
come for all things are not ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first day it comes to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must need go dig it. I pray you make me excuse. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that serpent came and shown his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the street and the land of the city, and bring in his the poor and the lame and the Got a whole lot in that, huh? <laughs> so Jesus gave the call because, first of all, Jesus saw what? He saw usefulness. That's a, that's a compliment to you and I when Jesus calls us to do something because Jesus doesn't do anything just to do it. He doesn't do anything because of some of the reasons why we do things. Oh, I ain't nothing else to do. Well, I was bored. Or, you know, I, I felt like I needed to entertain myself or whatever. But Jesus does everything with a purpose. So if he calls us individually to do something, whether you're a missionary, whether you're an evangelist, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a deaconess, whether you're a, a, a youth worker or youth pastor or whatever, First of all, for him to even call you, you have to first have usefulness in you. Yes. Huh? Yes. For him to even call you. Now, what was the problem with these people that Jesus called? Because there was nothing wrong with Jesus. There was nothing wrong with the call. It, it, he created everybody, so it's his right to pick who he wants to pick. It's his right to choose Whoever he wants to choose, whether you like it or not. That's right. It's his right to choose who he wants, no matter what their educational level may be. Did you hear what I say? Yes. Because some people look for the most qualified. Yes. Oh, you mean to tell me you've been you've been uh, you've been to high school, you graduated high school, and you you graduated college, magna cum laude, Lord have mercy. We need you. But yet they don't see the heart of that individual. 
they don't see the motives of that individual. Isn't that right? But yet God looks deeper than that. And the other thing is that God does not call you so that you can tell other people how great you are. So that you can have your name up in lights or whatever and have everybody notice you. Because those who are truly called, they don't want anybody to notice them, but they want everybody to notice the one who called them. John said, I must decrease and he must increase. I have to become smaller and he has to become who he is, bigger. You see? And so Jesus called these people and there was no, uh, there's no discrimination with Jesus. He called Moses, and Moses stuttered. Oh, he called Moses, and Moses made an excuse. He said, Lord, I don't speak well. God said, so what? I made your tongue. See, that's what we have to realize. When God calls us, don't look at all the reasons why we can't be used, because he's the one who made us. So if he's the one who made us, he can call us and give us what we need to do what he called us to do. Huh? He'll give us what we need. He doesn't call us and say, well, you're going to figure it out. No, he doesn't do that. But he calls us because he's already given us what we need. He said that he gave talents to each of one of those persons that he gave. You remember the talents, the ten talents? He gave talents to each person, right? He called them to do a work, right? He said he gave them talents based upon their ability. God had already put the ability down in them. Stop talking to about what you can't do. And I can't do this and I can't do that. I never finished this and I never finished that. God has put the ability down in you to do what you need to do. I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that. You know what I'm saying? He'll do exceedingly abundantly above everything I think. And I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Did you catch that? I can do all things but not just stop there, through Christ that strengthens me to do those things. So he called these people, but yet each one of them did what? They made an excuse. Why did they make an excuse? Why? Because they were more attached to those things and they saw more value in those things than they saw in following him. Did you hear what I said? They saw more value in those things. But what, what did you read? Well, what did he say? What did he say? If, if, I, if we want to come after him, we must first deny ourselves. We got to act like we don't even know ourselves. What did Jesus say? If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father, which is in heaven. So what was he saying? If you act like you don't know me when you're around your friends and everybody else and you're trying to blend in and, and please them and all that kind of stuff. If you act like you don't know me amongst them, then I'm going to act like I don't know you before my father, which is in heaven. So what is he saying when he said deny yourself? We have to act like we don't even know ourselves. Like we don't even exist. Did you know what I said? We got to act like we don't even exist. If we're going to do the will of God, then we have to act like we don't even exist. My opinion don't even matter. It don't matter that it looks bleak. It doesn't matter that it looks hopeless. It doesn't matter that, that, that people just not behind me or whatever else. It don't matter about none of that. 
Because it's all about him. He's the one who called me. I'm talking to all of us. God has called all of us to do something. So no matter how we feel about other people and, and, and all these other things, it doesn't matter. What really matters is that he called me, I heard it, and I'm going to do what he says to do. But they all made excuses. And so, so what did he say? He said, look, I'll tell you what. Don't worry with them knuckleheads. He didn't say knucklehead, but that's what they were. He said, don't worry with them. God's not, listen to me. God is not going to waste his resources on any one of us. We're not that good looking. We're not that pretty. We're not that fine. He's not going to waste his resources on any one of us. God said, look, I tell you what, leave them alone. I had something for them. But since they uh, have more attachment over here than what, you know, they have to me, then guess what? If they're not willing to go ahead and deny themselves and give up this world, then let them go do their thing and see how, how far that's going to get them. He said, leave them alone. Go out into the street and get those that are lame, huh? Can't hardly walk. Those that's halt, huh? Can't you barely make it? But yet, they have a heart that will say, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. They don't have a whole lot of education, but they have a heart that says, Lord, I heard you, and I'm, I'm listening, and I'm coming to do what you want me to do, just as I am without one plea. Huh? Lord have mercy. Matthew 4, verse 18. Somebody read that right quick, please. 18 through 20. that he has to call them and then they got to think about it. And then he calls them again and then let me see, I'm going to think about it. Give me another day or two to think about it. He's looking for somebody when he calls, okay Lord, I'm coming. You see, that's, that's, and that's a person that shows that they don't have a attachment to this world. This world does not have them. Paul said that I'm crucified through the cross of Christ. I'm crucified to this world and this world is crucified to me. If you read through the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and you look at those that God called and you look at those that did great things for God and you look at those that God did great miracles through and you look at those that did great things in this world, guess what you'll find? People that weren't even attached to this world. Huh? But even so much in the preaching today is geared to getting us more, feeling more at home down here. But really, to do the will of God, we have to feel less at home down here. Less attached to the things of this world. Isn't that right? He said that immediately. They responded immediately. Somebody read for me Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. 
1927. Matthew 1927. And just for the sake of time, while, while they're getting that, I need Matthew 16, 24. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? We have left everything. Did you realize that Peter was married? You did realize that, right? Yes, he was. You didn't realize that? One of the Gospels, and I don't have the reference right now, it said that Jesus went into the home of Peter's mother-in-law when she was sick and healed her. The fever left. Huh? Jesus said, if you, if you love mother, sister, brother, or whoever else more than me, if you don't hate them, then you're not worthy of me. Now, when he says hate, he wasn't talking about that violent, malicious kind of hate. If you look at the word in the original language in the Greek, it means to love less. We have to love everything else less than what we love Jesus. If there is anything that's going to stand in the way of his call in my life, and I'm not just talking about preaching, pastoring, or whatever, whatever it is. God could have called you to, to, to work with children. Maybe he called you to work with the elderly. Maybe he called you to be a baker, a butler, or whatever. But if there's anything that's going to impede that or stand in my way, guess what? I have to check my heart and say, Lord, take that out of my heart. Some people let their husbands, their wives, their friends, their boyfriends, their girlfriends mean more to them. They stop coming to church, and, and now they're not coming to the Bible study and nothing else because there's something else that means more to them than him. Huh? It's about priorities, really. We have to put our priorities in their proper place. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. What happened to Jesus when he died on the cross or when he, when he hung on the cross? That meant that that was the end of his earthly life. Isn't that right? So what is Jesus saying when he said that we have to take up our cross and hang on our cross and be crucified on our cross? We have to come to the end of ourselves. That's basically what he's saying. Luke 9, 62. So what is that saying? And I, in the King James Version, it says, any man that has put his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy. What does that show? Double-mindedness. I said I was going to plow the road, right? I said I'm going to put my hand to the plow, go out down the field and plow that road. But I'm steady looking back. And, 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 and let me ask you this. Can we plow a straight road looking back? No. No. We're going zigging, zagging, and all that kind of thing. But God wants somebody that has their gaze fixed on what he called them to do. That there is no deterrent. There is no looking back because everything back there don't mean nothing to me. What happened with Ruth and Naomi? Huh? Wasn't no looking back. Where you go, I'll go. 
Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your God will be my God. And your people will be my people. And that's how we ought to be with Jesus. There is no looking back. There's nothing back there for me. But yet Jesus said, he said, look, if you're going to be that kind of person, and it shows also double-mindedness. Isn't that right? Because we said that we were going to do this, but we keep looking back. That's a double-mindedness. Yeah, I will. I think I will. Yeah, okay, maybe so. Uh, distract, distracted. Somebody should have said amen. amen. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. I'll tell you one thing. When God calls a person, he calls them. He calls them. I mean, you know, there, there, there are people that God have called and they may try to run from that call huh? or they might find themselves. Well, let me just give you a personal testimony. God called me at the age of about 15 or so, maybe. Uh, but from a lot of the time, I wasn't ready. Because what? I was like these people. I still was looking back. I still liked other things better, a little bit better. Or I didn't think that he was really watching me all the time, so I can go over here and slip and dip and then come on back. No, God sees everything that we do. Everything. So one night, I decided that I was going to go to the club. Now, I'm young now. It's not... I'm young. So I decided to go to the club, right? I wasn't a licensed minister. I wasn't an ordained minister. I was a preacher, but I, was, I wasn't licensed or anything. But I was called. God, God called me, and who God called, he called him. So I decided to go out there. I'm going to drink me some blood at night. And I'm sitting at the bar acting like I'm cool and all that kind of thing. So uh, this guy, he came sit down next to me. Ruined my night. And the guy told the bartender, he said, look, he said, this man is a preacher. Don't you give him no more beers. Don't give him nothing else. You know what I did? Anybody can guess what I did? I got up, put my head down, <laughs> and walked on out of there. Huh? Because who God calls, he calls. Now, we don't have to listen and heed the call, but then we have to pay the consequences at the end of our life of not doing what God called us to do. Huh? All right. Y'all don't try to use that against me. Now, I said I wasn't ordained. I said I wasn't licensed. I said I was real young, okay? All right. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. What does that mean? It's irrevocable. It means that God is not an ending giver. He, don't, he doesn't give you something and then take it back. But it's up to us to decide whether or not we're going to honor him by doing what he asks us to do. But yet that call is still there. And like I said, we're going to have to give account of that. Romans 8.30. And then we're going to go talk about Abraham a little bit before we have to go. Yeah. 
I'm going to read that for me. Right. So what is the first part of that say again? Who we call? Alright. And so what does predestination mean? What does that mean, Chris? Appointed. He already arranged it before we even got to the age of what they call accountability. I heard somebody say, before I was in my mother's womb, he knew me. Isn't that right? David said, you formed me in my mother's womb and you wrote all of my days down in your book before any of them came to be. Now you can have a manual and the manual can tell you that this is what you're supposed to do this day this is what you're supposed to do that day, and this is what you're supposed to do that day, right? The manual, his book is already written, but we can decide whether, no, I'm not going to do that this day. I don't think I'll do that this day. I think maybe I might do that that day. Huh? Y'all got where I'm coming from? Yes. So it's, 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 it's up to us whether or not we're going to go along with his plan. He called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees to go and do something for him, right? God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. And he said, get out from amongst your kindred, get from among your people. Why did he tell Abram to get out from among his people? Because his people were still attached to idols and all these kind of things. Isn't that right? How many of y'all know your Bible? Yes, huh? yes. Still attached. You can't go somewhere as long as you are hooked to somebody that's still attached to something else. If I'm attached to this table, I have a chain on my leg to this table and you attach yourself to me, you're going to have a hard time trying to go where you're trying to go. If you attach yourself to some people that try to come into your life, whether you love them or not, whether they're family or not, Jesus said, a man's enemies will be those of his own household. The people that are going to fight against you sometimes are going to be those that's under the same roof with you, sit at the same table with you. What makes you think and what makes me think I'm so much better than Jesus? Jesus said that it was my own familiar friend that has lifted up his heel against me. Huh? My own familiar friend. Some people, we, 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 we don't need to treat them bad. But we need to let them know in a nice way. Okay, I love you. I'll talk to you when I see you. But guess what? I can't hang where you hang. And I can't go where you go. And I can't hang with the people that you hang with. Because where you're going, I'm not going that way. I'm not going that way. Because I've heard a call. Somebody told me to come out from among them and be separate. And then he would receive me. He's not going to receive me as long as I'm mixing. Huh? As long as I'm, as long as I'm mixing in, and, 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 and oh well, you know that they, they're just flesh. You know they're saying some cuss words or whatever, and they watching dirty movies and all that kind of stuff. But you know it's just, it's, it's just flesh. I gotta go. I have to go. Matter of fact, first of all, I need to put myself in that place, huh? Because if I'm following him, then I I will find myself going this way, right? 
The mess is over there, but his where I'm following him is over here. It's only when I stop following him and start getting off over here on this side that I get into trouble. But as long as I stay where he put me, walking on the road that he placed me, I'll be all right. Huh? But what, what is the thing that fights against us the most is our nature, our human nature. Isn't that right? Our human nature, our desires, our cravings, and all that kind of thing. That's why Jesus said, he said, if you want to come after me, if you want to do like Abraham and come out from where he was to a place where I'm bringing him that he didn't even know nothing about, then those, when those cravings come up, Holy Ghost crucified. When those desires come up, take, Lord, take that out of my heart. I know it's not right. And I know where I'm going to end up. I'm going to end up on the wrong road doing the wrong thing. And then I'm afraid of you and say, Lord, why is this happening to me? I can't believe this happening in my life. But it was my own desires. It was my own desires that got me off of the road in the first place. Go ahead, Chris. Can we take this a little bit farther? All right, be brief. I'm going to say that the scripture said, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. Who is he that convicted? It is Christ that died. Yeah, rather, that is risen again, mm -hmm. who is given at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril of the soul? Mm -hmm. As it is written, for, they, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Then in all these things we are more than come to him that loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor mm -hmm. powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right. Only we, as children of God, can separate ourselves right. from God through disobedience. Right, and that's what I'm saying. As we get off that road that God has put us on, like through disobedience because of things that's in us, uh, then we'll find ourselves in the wrong place. But we have to wrap up, Chris. But this is something that I wanted to show you right quick. I don't know how many of y'all can see this. This uh, map, but this is a map basically. <clears throat> this is North America right up here. Can you see that? This is North America right here. This is where we are. This is New Orleans right here in this little crescent, this little part right here. This is the North Atlantic Ocean. Then you have Africa and you have the Middle East. And Jerusalem is right in this area, right there. So I just wanted you to see, basically, put some context to the land of Israel in relation to where we are right now. And, and what you're actually talking about is we're actually, where we live at is actually 6,880 miles from Israel. Did you hear what I say? Because when you think about the Bible, you think about a land that's, they seem like it's way, you know, and I mean, it's a good little distance, but it seems like it's way out of this world somewhere. 
But this was the, this is how close where Jesus was to where we are right now. You hear what I say? What'd that do for you? And then, this is a, a, a little map I gave to all of y'all where the Garden of Eden was. And where the Garden of Eden was is around the, the Tigris River and, and the River Euphrates and Assyria and, and not too far from Africa and Egypt was where the Garden of Eden was, where God put man. He placed him there. And as long as man obeyed him, he was all right. But then you had Adam, and then you had Cain that killed Abel. And then God began again with the appointed son of Adam, which was Seth, right? Isn't that right? But then you still had the problem of blood because God said in his word, he said, from one man he made all men. So you still had the problem, the genetic disposition that was discombobulated. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. All right. So then you have where they made the Tower of Babel, which was right there in Iraq, which was called Babylon. But it's what? You see that? Right here. That's where the Tower of Babel was, right there. And that's Iraq, right there. You know what? You ever heard of Iraq? That's where the, the American troops are fighting overseas in Iraq. That's where the Tower of Babel was. So man couldn't get past the same thing that we find it hard to get past today. Paul said that when I want to do right, evil is present with me. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I, what I don't want to do, that's what I keep doing. And he said, what's, what's the problem? You know, a lot of times people deal with, with the results of things that, that's going on on the inside of them. Did you hear what I said? They're trying, to, they're trying to deal with, well, if I stop doing this, and if I stop doing that, and if I stop doing this, and, and all this kind of stuff, let me tell you something. If anybody has ever had a problem with pornography, let me tell you something. It, it, let me tell you something. You can, you can have God take that thing out of your heart, and you can pass down Canal Street or whatever street, and they set up a newsstand full of Playboy and Hustler and everything else. And you just walk right on past. Doesn't even bother you. Why? Because God has dealt with the root of that thing. Don't you understand that until God deals with the root of what's going on in our lives, it will keep going on. It's not all the things that we're doing. If I stop doing this, if I stop doing that, we make 10 lists. And, and New Year's, we make all these New Year resolutions and break every one of them. Because there's still something in here that won't it. Huh? Take it and then throw it and hide it and all that kind of stuff. But there's still something here that just, what if I just, it's, you know, it's just like you getting hungry. I have to go eat. Because there's something in here that causes you to be hungry. Isn't that right? We're about to close. But we'll get to the next time uh, where Noah's sons begin to uh, migrate and begin to fill the land. And Ham went down to Africa and Shem uh, which is the children of Israel and some others went over to the Middle East and Israel and Japheth he went up around Europe, around that area and, and, and God began to fill the land once again with man but yet man still had the same type of disposition so really what we're working toward is Christ as we go through these lessons, as we go through Genesis let's keep looking for Jesus because that's the only one that it will heal man that's the only one that will heal his disposition because healing him means healing his heart. So 
Some people that things that they do because of scars, because of things that people have done to them, because they've been molested. Huh? In the church. In Christian families. Touching little girls and little boys and little nieces and nephews and all that kind of thing. But you wonder why they're so discombobulated and dysfunctional. It's because of all those things that have happened to them. But God is, is, is bringing us to a place of wholeness and health. He said, I will that, and I, this is the last thing I want to say. He said, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God doesn't want us to be half people. That's right. Fragmented people. Not all, not whole in no kind of way. We smile, but yet we know what's going on on the inside. Some of us smile, but not happy. Some of us laugh, but we're sad. The Bible says even in laughter, the heart may ache. God wants to address what's going on up in here. Do you hear what I said? Too many churches, we just hear about Jesus and hear about John and hear about Luke and all these other people and James and, and, and Daniel and all of that. But God wants to address the issues that's going on in the hearts of the people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're a healer. And that healing does not just mean physical healing. But that healing means healing of the mind, healing of the heart, healing of the spirit, healing of the soul. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you address everything that is in our lives. Father, you, Jesus, you said you came to set us free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, you didn't call us to bondage. You didn't call us to depression. You didn't call us, Lord, for worry. You didn't call us to be in fear. You didn't call us to be in doubt, Lord. You didn't call us to have anxiety rule our lives. You didn't call us to have to be on medication take a pill for this and a pill to go to sleep and a pill to wake up. Lord, you didn't call us for that kind of thing. Lord, you're bigger than that. Lord, that, those things only mask the situation. Those things only hide the situation. But Lord, the situation is still right there before us until we allow you to address the issue and cut it off at the root, stop it at the source. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would make each one of us whole, Lord. Each one of us have something that we're still dealing with, Lord. We have something that we have not overcome. We have a habit that we have not overcome. We have a fear, we have an anxiety, a worry, or whatever, Lord. We have a, a past issue, Lord, that somebody touched us in the wrong way. Lord, somebody that we trusted, Lord, touched us in the wrong way. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal everything, Lord. From the front of the church to the back of the church. Pray, Lord God, Father, you, you don't want us to come to church, Lord, and act all churchy, but yet we know that we're broken inside. Lord, you don't want us to come to church and, and smile, but yet we know our heart is hurting. Father, you don't want us to come to church, Lord God, and act like we're free when we know that we're still bound, that things still rule over us. Memories still rule over us. Past things still rule over us. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would, that you would go into the inner recesses of our heart, Lord. That's where it all begins at, Lord. In our heart. Lord, we want to be free in our heart. We want to be whole in our heart. We want to be peaceful in our heart, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would do it, Lord. Wash it with hyssop, Lord. Break every bondage. Lord, you said it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So, Father, as we go from this place, but never from your presence, I pray, Father, that you would have your perfect way in our lives. 
Lord, that we would walk this earth, but yet we'd be dead people. That we are walk around as dead people, Lord. Those that have no agenda. Those that have no other desire but you. Those that have no other goal but you. Those that have no other, no other wants but you. In your will. Father, I pray that you would do it. Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, I pray that there will be no flat ties, no breakdowns, and everything would be as we left it at home, Father. Lord, if there be any sickness, any illness in anybody's body, Lord, here or abroad, Lord God, that you heal them. That you raise them up in the name of Jesus. Lord, Father, that you would remove that sickness, Lord. You said, Jesus, that you came that you might destroy the works of the devil. So we thank you right now, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you for washing us, Lord. Thank you for making us clean. Thank you for watching over our family. Thank you for keeping us in our right mind. Thank you for giving us health and strength. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.